Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. happy in God's presence this morning? Well, it's about ten people are. (laughs) We should always try it three times, right? Are you happy in God's presence this morning? Well, that gets better. Hallelujah. Because uh, as I continue on with my sharing with you today, I would request you to join with me because we're going to do kind of a preaching where every one of us are going to get involved together. Amen? So you get ready for that. And thank you, Pastor Mark, for having me to come here. I have heard about this church for many years. Some of my friends that I've known have been attending this church. And uh, so it's a privilege and an honor for me to be with you this today. And of course, I was here briefly last year and was able to come and share uh, some of my testimonies uh, with you. And... Um, You know, when I was hearing about the prayer, and uh, it's so true, prayer is so important uh, for us, you know, walk with God for our church. Amen? In in my church in Delhi, we have a marathon fasting prayer, which is the last week of every month is separated for fasting prayer. And uh, so we get together, fast. And every night, just like you're doing, every night we get together and pray. And uh, it's a great blessing for the church. Amen? My wife is a kind of a, a, she's a prayer warrior. I'm not the one. Okay? Because to her, uh, like uh, praying is kind of like kind of eating dessert. And whenever I'm sitting with her for prayer, my problem is I can't go. I want her to do something. But she doesn't care, you know, only when she finishes, you finish, which could be a long time, right? So sometimes he prays over the phone. When I call her from here, she wanted to finish up with a prayer. She's not realizing it's a phone call. It's going to cost somebody, you know? (laughs) Who cares, you know? And uh, then she will say, I want to sing a small song. This is... (laughs) This is... This is from, from London to Delhi, right? <laughs> and the only thing I have learned is I don't say anything no because she will get upset. So though I don't like it, I say, okay, sing a song. <laughs> so she sings a song and then she starts praying in tongues. And then, of course, a prayer. So she wanted to start a prayer meeting among the women about 24 years ago. And uh, we got a lady from here, Sister Christine, and uh, she used to live in India for almost 10 years. Like she came, six months she lived in India, she came back, worked, and made money, came back and worked with us again, because we don't give money to anybody. And uh, so that's what she did. So she told Christine that why don't we start a prayer meeting? So it was my wife and Christine, they started a weekly prayer on Thursdays, they will pray for two and a half hours. So, so that was started in um, 
about, as I said, about 24 years ago. And then she, my, it grew, and about 15, 20 women will come every week. And she wanted to spread that among our organization. So she started calling and writing to the pastor's wives in the churches that we have and encouraged them to start a weekly prayer meeting among the women. And today, I'm so pleased to say we have got 1,320 prayer groups all over the nation of India. Amen. So whenever I say to you that we pray for you, I want you to realize there are 10,000 women every week, they pray. I mean, that's quite a bit of prayer. That can cover BCC a little bit. Okay? Amen. So, and God has been so good to us, and as you heard Pastor Mark saying that uh, uh, we have grown to what we are today. I started off uh, my ministry about 42 years ago. I was 21. I was working for a pharmaceutical company called Siba Gaigi, and uh, that's the time the Lord called me for the ministry. And, uh, you know, this is one of those times, you know, when you're praying, I don't know whether you had this experience, sometimes you feel like your prayer is not getting anywhere. Have you felt like that? Or do you pray sometime? You know? <laughs> so, and uh, so this is one of those times that, you know, you're praying, but your prayer is not reaching anywhere. So I thought, well, I'll change my prayer. So I, I stopped and I prayed something like this to feel good, you know, nothing else. So I said, God, what is your plan and your will in my life? And I'm telling you, friends, don't you ever pray that prayer. Because God takes it serious. I never realized. I was just wanting to feel good. So you pray something like that. And, but God said, thank you very much. And he started speaking to me. And the Lord said to me, son, I have called you for this purpose. I want you to resign your job. I want you to step out. And I want you to go and preach the gospel. I said, oh, oh, oh. I said, I was not that serious. You know? And I promise you that I was not jumping up and down and saying, Oh, Lord, thank you so much for calling me. I didn't do that. I said to the Lord, God, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> you know? You have to know that the pastors and the ministry in India, the struggle, the challenges, the starvation. And, and you, I always thought that anyone who has got any common sense should never become a pastor. And God was just asking me to do. Well, how many of you had a fight with God in your life? How does it end up? Man, you lose so miserably. Right? So that's what happened to me. You know, I, I finally gave in. I resigned my job, took a shoulder back, filled it up with tracks and my Bible, and I walked out of my home. I had no idea what was ministry. I have no idea what or how to preach. I still wonder whether I can preach. But, you know, so all I knew, knew in those days was handing over tracts and smiling at the people and telling them that Jesus loves them. And I can smile okay, so that's not a problem. And most of the people threw the tracts back at my face, and some of them took it. And I moved on. That's all I did, going from village to village and, and different places. And, and I found several weeks down the road, I... I spent all my money. My money was all gone. 
Have you found that out? Money does not stay with us. Proverbs says, your money does not walk, it takes its wings and flies. Right? So I have spent all my money, I found myself in a strange place, and um, no place to stay, uh, nothing to eat, no money in my pockets. Well, that's a pretty exciting way of living, don't you think? You know, you can't get robbed because you've got nothing. <laughs> you know? So I used to sleep in front of the shops because I had no place to go. And uh, I used to walk uh, 15, 20 miles every day. And, uh, you know, not that I liked walking. I didn't have the few pennies to pay for my bus fare. So I used to go without food for four or five days. And uh, my greatest miracle in those days was have something to eat, you know. So that's what I did, you know, wandered around and... And God was constantly speaking to me. I have called you to evangelize the nation of India to a guy who is sleeping in front of the shops, walking around and wandering around with no money in my pocket. And I used to say, just, just be quiet. You know, let me try to find something to eat for myself, you know. So that's how it was. And God kept on putting this in my heart that I'm called to evangelize the nation. And... Uh, one day I was so upset with God and I was sitting in front of a shop two o'clock in the morning and I was telling the Lord, Lord, thank you for calling me and then I just got, you know, just lost it. I said, God, would you please tell me why on earth did you call me? I was so angry. But have you ever felt that God was never angry? He's always cool. I don't like that, you know. So God spoke to me and he said, son, I have called you for a very specific purpose. One day I'm going to make you to stand before kings and leaders of the government as my witness. So I want you to be patient. Well, that's the only thing we don't have, do we? Whenever God speaks to us, we want that to be done now. Right? So I said to God, you know, I really don't care about leaders and the kings and all this kind of stuff. You can keep them. But if you really love me, give me something to eat. I've not eaten for four days because to me that was the greatest miracle in those days. Anyway, so I thought, all right, I'll start to do something because God is saying evangelize the nation of India. India, back in 1976, we had 620 million people. And today we have got 1.25 billion people. The second largest nation you know, heading off to become the first one, you know, maybe bypassing China. And uh, a land of diversity. We speak 22 major languages. It's not dialects, because we've got over 1,000 dialects apart from that. You know, every state is like a different country, and people are so different, and a nation that is so hostile against Christianity. And this is the background of the country, where well, the Lord was calling a guy from the streets and he's asking me to evangelize the nation of India. I said, okay, we'll try to do something. So I thought, start to have my first crusade. Uh, how do you do that without even a penny in your hands? So I found uh, an area by the side of the streets and uh, I put up four poles and put a tarp on the top of it to, to make it look like a platform and a couple of gas lanterns. Only the older people know what it is. You know, you pump 
and the, the mantle glows, the cheapest kind of light you can have. So that was my crusade. So it almost seemed like that God looked from heaven and he looked down to what I was doing and God must have thought something like this. This is the most pathetic crusade I've ever seen in my life. You know, because God said, thought, let me go and give him a hand. So God came down. And how do I know? Because right on the streets of that meeting, God's miraculous power was manifested. Amen? Yeah. I called out to the people. I would like to pray for people, anybody who is sick. I was expecting that somebody coming and saying that I've got a headache or a, or, or a toothache or something like that. And the first one they brought was a blind man. And I've never prayed for sick. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing, God? Where is he coming from, you know? So they brought the blind man and asked God to pray. I healed this man. And they're not Christians. They're Hindus. They're not asking about their faith and all this kind of stuff. So I was petrified and I laid hands. And I said, God, help me in my heart. And I said, Lord, I command these eyes to be opened. And to my great surprise, the eyes were open. And God healed him. Amen? And then the, the lame was walked and uh, walking and the, the demon-possessed people were set free. And amazing things happened. People came and gave their hearts to the Lord. And uh, I baptized them. That's how the first church was established. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm standing before you today, almost 42 years later. And as you heard, that I have started 4,350 churches right across the nation of India. Amen? And it continues to grow. We grow about 150 to 200 churches every year. You know, we are starting churches in the most remote places. In India, you know, there are millions of people who have never heard the gospel. So we are trying to reach them. And I'm so proud to say today, out of my churches, there are several hundreds of my churches or in areas where nobody went and we are the only church in the last 2,000 years. So that is a satisfying thing. And it's not like fighting with each other, trying to start another church next door. But we are going to places where nobody ever went to preach the gospel. Amen. And uh, so, you know, when I start a church, I send a pastor and family over there. And we try to support them so that they can have the basic needs of life. But most of my pastors, they are suffering, struggling as I used to be. You know, going without food, not a place to stay. Their children starving. Their children go to school and there they faint in the classroom because they have not eaten for three, four days. And we try to support a pastor in India. This is one of the, the most important needs that I have, is we support a pastor in India with 30 pounds a month. And what will this money do? At least we can rent a small place for them, so put a roof over their head, and at least put one meal on the table every day so that their children don't starve continuously. There are several hundreds of pastors who are praying the Lord will just supply the need for them. That's one of the things... You know, I call my pastors as the greatest heroes that I've ever known. You know, I have, I'm friends with all the big guys around the place. 
I'm in the board with Dr. Yonggi Cho in Korea. Uh, I'm friends with Benny Hinn and, and Reinhard Bonke and all these people that I've known uh, personally. Uh, but to me, they are not my heroes. My heroes are these pastors. You know, these people who have laid down their life for the sake of the gospel. About a year ago, one of the pastors and his wife were kidnapped and taken to the jungle. And there they were asked to fall before an idol and deny Christ so they can go home. Otherwise, they told the wife that we will kill your husband before you right now if you don't do that. So they begged for their life, but they said, life or death, we will not deny Christ. You know, we will live and die for him. So just before his, the wife, they took a knife and they beheaded the husband. And uh, they cut open his, his ribcage and pulled his heart. And they squeezed it on their Bible and they said, this is what we will do to every Christian in this country. You know, several pastors have lost their lives. They become martyrs. Martyrs is not just a history book. It still happens today. You know, people lay down their lives for us. I do take another wife and the three children, move them from their town to another place, you know, build a small house and supporting them every month. And, you know, as I said, these are the heroes. And uh, so we try to take care of them. And we got some, a Christian will be available at the door somewhere. And if anybody wants to support this ministry, support a pastor and his family in India by putting away one pound coin every day, you can make a difference. You know, we're looking for sponsors for our, for our orphans. I've got 17 orphanages, you know. Uh, we need 15 pounds to support an orphan. And Pastor Mark said he'll take an offering for the ministry at the end of this service. And uh, the need that I'm looking for finance is we've got so many needs. But I'm focusing on one thing which I believe that... Uh, uh, one of the most important things for our pastors is when I send the pastor, we try to buy them a bicycle, you know, because as they walk, as I said, 15, 20 miles. A friend of mine is a pastor who was fiddling with his phone. When I was preaching, I was getting upset with him because he's not listening to me. He's playing with his phone, you know, bad enough the believers. And imagine my pastor, he's sitting there and I'm thinking, what is he doing? So after that, he came up to the platform and he said, sorry, Pastor Abraham, I was uh, just busy with my phone. I said, you better be sorry. I'm already angry with you, you know. But he said, when you're talking about people walking 15, 20 miles, I was kind of trying to work out how much it will take to walk. And he said, for somebody to walk 20 miles, it will take five hours and 15 minutes. And so that's what your people, your, your pastors do every day. They walk five hours and 15 minutes, you know, to do the distance of them. So uh, we are looking for raising money to buy bicycles for our pastors. Now there's about 250 pastors praying for a bicycle. And um, so every penny that you give today will be converted into bicycles for the pastors. And I'll send you a photograph. You can see how, how happy they will be. You get a bicycle. For, they're not asking for a car. They're not asking for a motorcycle. They're asking for just a... They're not asking for a 24-speed gear bicycle either. 
They're asking for this, put your foot down that your bicycle goes. That's the kind of stuff, you know. And uh, we can make a difference to those people. There's so many needs. and Some brochures there, feel free to take it, and God will bless you. Amen? And we've got 14 Bible colleges. I'm training more than 400 pastors for every year. And uh, we run schools. And we run sewing schools for destitute women. And uh, about 65 sewing schools are run, training these poor women to sew so they can have, learn a trade to make a living for themselves. And India needs Jesus Christ. India must be saved. Amen? One-fifth of the world's population living in a nation that is desperately in need of hope. Amen? And I want you to pray for India and do whatever you can so that we can reach this country for Jesus Christ. Amen? A little bit of preaching. Is that okay? Nobody's saying okay. <laughs> eh? Can I preach a little bit? Yes. Thank you. Because I'm going to do it anyway. Amen. I want to take a story that we may all know. I wanted to touch into a few things today. If you turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 5. The story is, of course, from verse 1 all the way down to verse um, 13. But we won't read all that because then I won't have any time to say anything. So we will look at one verse and we'll take it from there. So John chapter 5, we'll look at verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there, the knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? This is Jesus Christ is asking a question to a man who has been sick for 38 long years, paralyzed. He's lying here at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus Christ was looking at this man and he's asking him, do you want to be healed? So what should be the answer for that question? If Jesus is asking you that question today, what will you be your answer? That's wonderful. Three people said yes. Amen. Jesus is asking you. Maybe you are thinking, well, I'm not sick. Why should I say yes? Okay, let's just change the question a little bit. So all of us can, can get involved. So how many of you would like to have a miracle from Jesus today? Please raise your hands. If your hand is not raised, no miracle for you. <laughs> All right? Okay. So let's change the question. And the question is this. Jesus is asking you today, do you want a miracle in your life? What will be your answer? That's the most, most pathetic yes I've ever heard in my life. That doesn't sound like any kind of miracle is going to happen. So we're going to try it again, okay? This is your own church building. Nobody's going to come and get upset with you. So I want you to just open up your vocal cords and just say some good, decent yes, just shout it out for me. Would you do that? Otherwise, I'm not preaching. My, my ministry is over, okay? We'll ask again. Do you want a miracle in your life today? Yes! Kind of, you know? Okay, we'll try again. And uh, do you want a miracle in your life today? Yes. Okay, because 
based on your ass, the Lord wants to do a miracle in your life. Amen? I may not look like a guy who does kind of miracle things, but it does happen sometimes. Okay? So I want you to expect the Lord to do something in your life. Amen? The Lord wants us to say yes. And most of the time, you know, we don't say yes to the Lord. Amen? So I want to take this story a little bit back and work my way down. And uh, there is a pool called Bethesda outside the city of Jerusalem. And this pool has got a speciality that is, at a certain time, an angel will come down and he will stare the pool. And whosoever gets into the pool for the first time will get healed of any kind of sickness and disease. And uh, the news of this miracle taking place in the pool goes around and people hear about that and people keep on coming and wanting to get this miracle from this pool. So you can see that hundreds of people coming and sitting around the pool and waiting for this pool to be stirred by the angel. It's not like an angel with six wings coming down and jumping into the pool. It doesn't happen. It's just the stirring takes place, okay? So they come and wait for the pool to be stirred so they can get into the pool and they can be healed. So it sounds in the outset, this is an amazing place. This is a place where miracles take place. No matter what kind of sickness or disease you have, you will be healed. Right? But the only problem is, every time when the water gets stirred, only one person will be healed. Amen? And if you read verse 3, though there are all kinds of people with sickness were there, but three sickness are written there specifically in verse 3. And there it said, people who were blind... People who were lame and people who were paralyzed were waiting at the pool. And if you think of this, none of these, the, these people of these groups will ever get saved, healed. Blind, you won't even see when it is staring, right? So he's sitting there when everybody's going, so, oh, maybe the water is getting stared. And the man who is, who is lame, who can't walk, the one who is paralyzed. So it almost seems like though there is a miracle out there in the pool, Nothing much is happening on the side. Amen? Every time when the water is getting stirred, you know, everybody gets into the pool, and they're, they're not healthy people. They drag themselves into the pool, and suddenly one person says, I'm healed, I'm healed. So others think, okay, he, he got it. And now it's not my turn. So they go back and sit there. And I, I look at these people. I want to look at the people who are not healed. And I'm thinking like this, this is not a place of hope. It seems like the place of hopelessness. This is a place of discouragement. This is a place of despair where more people are there hopeless when in the middle of them just one person gets healed. And that is a pool of Bethesda, a pool which is making so many people, hundreds of them sitting there, with no hope, not knowing what's going to happen to them. And, and I'm thinking, why? Why this pool of Bethesda has been written in this story where Jesus was healing this man? Why this part of the story has been, has been attached to this? And what is the meaning? What is the purpose of the pool of Bethesda? A pool that heals few 
and leaves many hopeless. Why? What does this mean? And suddenly it dawned on me that the Pula Badasta is a type of the Old Testament. The Pula Badasta is a type of the law of Moses. The law of Moses is this, a bunch of rules and regulations and everything given to us. And he's telling us, come on, go and try it. And it is a rat race. Every one of us trying to do things right, obey all the commandments and, and trying to please God. And somewhere along the line, we missed it. And what is what do we hear? And it is saying, well, you tried. You did good. But you're not good enough. All right? Go and try again. So that is the type of the religions in this world. All the religions are telling you and me. It says, go. Keep on trying. One day you might be able to please God. So people are traveling, holy trips and holy dips and, and all these kind of stuff, sitting by under the you know, foothills of Himalayas and, and all this kind of stuff. And the thing is, trying to please God. Amen? And it never happens. But Christianity is not man going in search of God, but Christianity is God coming in search of man. Amen? Because God can find you and me. We won't be able to find Him. Amen? He came in search of us and He came and reached out to us. And that's what He did. Amen? So here's a pool of Balasta. Hopeless place. Totally discouraging. And people lying there with all kinds of sickness and disease. And there is a man. 38 years of paralysis. Lying in his bed. Nobody to help him. Water gets turned. People go... He can't move. There he is stuck in his bed. Watching others going and one or two getting healed. And all the rest of the people coming and sitting with him. Not knowing when this miracle will take place for them. And at that time, here comes Jesus to this man. Amen? Who is this Jesus? Jesus is a picture of the grace of God. Amen? When the law of Moses is saying to you and me, you are not good enough. Saying to you and me, you have to get to that place. You have to get there first. And you have to dip yourself. Then it will happen. Otherwise, you're not going to happen. But here in the midst of this, the grace of God is coming to where we are. Amen? Hallelujah. And He's coming... And he's asking this man, do you want to be healed? Amen? So, if Jesus is asking that question, what will be our answer? Yes. You have not forgotten, have you? <laughs> That's how we're going to finish in a few minutes. Okay? Don't forget. So, he, do you believe that if Jesus will ask you that question today, would you say yes? I don't think so. 
Because what I have found, what you will agree with me in a minute, many times when God wants to do a miracle in our life, instead of simply responding to Him and saying yes, we always come up with logical argument and tell Jesus it's not easy to happen. Amen? Do you know what this guy did? Jesus is asking him, do you want to be healed? Instead of opening his mouth and saying yes, he's telling Jesus, you, are you from this place? <laughs> It doesn't happen that easy here. There's a system that works here. The water will get stirred. And we all will have run to the water and only the first one who falls into the water will be healed. But my problem is there's nobody to take me. But the question is, that's not what Jesus was asking. But look at you and me. If Jesus is coming and asking you, do you want to be healed? What will I do? You know, if, you, if the person is suffering with a horrible cancer, and if Jesus is asking the question there, we will say, wait a minute, I'm coming. Then the person goes inside and brings a huge medical record and put it on the hand of Jesus. And tells him, my cancer is different. There's no cure for this cancer. And the, the doctor said, we cannot operate. We cannot do chemotherapy. There's no radiation. I want you to go home because you will only live for the next 30 days. And I will die. But the question is this. Did Jesus ask you what kind of cancer you have? Would you please bring me that medical record? Let me check it out myself. Eh? And what kind of treatment that you're going through and how long you're going to live and when are you going to die? No! Jesus Christ is asking a simple question to you and me. Do you want to be healed of your cancer? Amen? The answer should be yes. Amen? Do you want a job? Which planet you are coming from? Have you got any idea about the unemployment problem we are having here? I've been lining up to get jobs and I've been struggling for the last several months. And I'm not educated. I'm not good with interviews. But that's not what God is asking. Jesus is asking you today, do you want a job? Amen? Somebody is here looking for a job. You're going to get one, by the way. Okay? Yeah, that's a little kind of a little word from God for you. You know, do you want your husband to be saved? What is the answer? Yes. Don't talk about him. You have never seen him, have you? His mustache is so long. And he drinks a beer so much. And he comes and fights with me every night. I don't think that he can ever get saved. That's a wife saying. In every area, when God wants to do a miracle, we always come up with, a, with an answer saying it's not easy. We always come to him and say it doesn't work. We always try to say that I'm, I'm ready to shut down my business. I don't think that I can get a job. My, wife will, my husband will never get saved. And uh, I'm not going to get healed. But because of all these things, that are there in our monkey brain, we're not able to receive a miracle from Jesus. But today is your day. Amen? We are sitting in the house of God. We are sitting where two or three people, that means Jesus Christ is here. 
And Jesus Christ wants to reach out and he wants to do a miracle in your life. If it is a sickness in your body, if it is a problem in your family, it is a job that you're fighting with, it is a business that is not doing well, whatever may be the area, today the word of the Lord is coming to you and he has sent a guy from India to tell you the miracle is possible and it can happen right now in your life. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to receive that healing? Are you ready to receive the miracle? Amen. Because he is here. And he overruled and he shut his ears to that verbal garbage of this man. When he said it is not going to work. And he overruled that and he looked at him and he said, I'm sick and tired of listening to these kind of logical things. Because I have come. I have brought the grace. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to prove yourself. You don't need to do. All you need is to respond to me. And you say yes and you will see. And you will receive the miracle from me today. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. He looked at him and he said, I say unto you, rise up. Take up your bed and go home. Amen. Amen. And immediately the Bible says, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ just surged through that body. A man who was paralyzed for 38 long years, and that his muscles and his bones received the strength that very moment, and he jumped up and stood before Jesus Christ. Amen? Miracle is so easy when you and I say to him, I'm ready for it. Amen? And that miracle is waiting for you here today. He wants to reach out and, and touch every one of us. Miracle from Jesus Christ. I don't know most of you. I don't know who you are. But today I'm asking you a question. Do you know this Jesus Christ that I'm talking about? I'm getting all excited, shouting and screaming because I'm from India. You know? Do you know this Jesus? Do you have a relationship with this Jesus Christ? What about your life today? Life without Jesus Christ is so miserable. I found him when I was 16 years old, sitting on the roadside, where I heard the preacher saying, for your life, for your sins, that Jesus died on the cross. And I opened my heart, and I received Christ in my life that day. My life was transformed. And I'm living for him for the last 48 years of my life. Amen? Today, the very same Jesus Christ is here. The greatest miracle that he can do for you is to change your stony heart of sin and make you a child of God. Amen? And all the miracles attached to that is here, ready for you and me. So would you please stand up with me? We're going to pray. As all of us are waiting in God's presence, I wonder if there is anybody here who have never received Jesus Christ in your heart, if you have never repented of your sin saying, Lord, I want to live for you, I want to be a child of God in my life, I want my life to be changed, I want to enjoy the peace and joy with God. If there is anyone here 
who would like to make the commitment to Jesus Christ today. Wherever you are standing, would you please raise your hand, right hand quickly and put it down and I'll pray for you. Is there anyone who wants to commit your life to Jesus Christ today? Because Jesus is here. The miracle worker is here. The Savior of our soul is here. And he wants to touch us. Amen. Is there anybody? And I'm talking to everyone here this morning. Are you ready to receive a miracle in your life? Are you ready to receive a miracle in your life? The miracle worker is here. What do you need in your life? He's asking you. What do you want me to do for you? He's reaching out and he's ready to touch you. He's ready to heal you and he's ready to deliver you and set your life free. He wants to meet the needs of every area of your life. Are you ready for it? I see healing taking place. Somebody here having a problem with asthmatic condition. I see the Lord touching you and healing you right now. I want to receive that now in Jesus' name. Migraine headaches for the last six months. I see the Lord touching you. I see the Lord setting you free today. Receive that in Jesus' name. Somebody having a problem with your ear, your left ear. Having, carrying this pain. But I see the Lord touching you. Receive that healing right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I sense the presence of God is so powerful in this place. The anointing of the Lord is moving through. Through every row here. Walking through the person and he's asking you. Are you ready for the miracle? I'm ready to do the miracle in your life. I'm ready to receive that. And if you are wanting a miracle in your life, whichever area you need it, the Lord wants to do that for you today. If you do, I want you to raise your hands, please, quickly, and we're going to pray together. Lord, I am ready for the miracle, Lord. I'm ready to receive it. I want you to do that miracle in my life. The Lord is wanting to do that for you in every area, in each, whatever area it is, the Lord is here to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray for each, those hands that are raised up towards you. And their hearts crying out to you saying, yes, yes for the miracle, Lord. Lord, let the miracle worker touch everyone today and in every area of their life, Lord. Healing take place in their bodies. Lord, in the area of finance, family, <coughs> every situation of their life, Lord, I command them to be set free in the name of Jesus. Lord, let them enjoy the miracle right at this moment as I'm praying, Lord. Lord, let the miracle take place. Let them know in their hearts, in their spirits, yes, my Lord is doing the miracle. I can sense it. I can receive it. I, I can feel it and I receive in my life. I bless everyone, Lord. Glorify your name. You're such a good God. We love you, Lord, with all our hearts. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
God bless you. Please be seated. And as I said at the end of the service, as, as, would you please stand up? They want to see that is Christine, who takes care of her charity in, in, in London. And she'll be there with some brochures. And we got some pastor's photographs. Anybody want to support a pastor or not? Whatever it is, what you want to do. Please meet with her or at least say hi to her. And uh, thank you, Pastor Mark. Appreciate it.